everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope the content encourages you and helps you build your faith. Now enjoy the message. The title of today's message is Just Do It, okay? I don't know how Luke usually preaches. Is it about, Jan, is it like two hours, three maybe? Oh, okay. All right, so, uh, but don't let them ever fool you because the point can be crystal clear. And the point today is this, and this is all we got to say is just do it. So turn to somebody next to you and say, just do it. Just do it. When I was about 12 years old, my family started going on some vacations. And uh, my dad was changing jobs, and in the times that he was changing jobs, we, uh, we took some time as a family to go travel and do some different things. Now, being a 12-year-old, I liked the finer things of life. So one of the best memories I have about traveling was the free hotel continental breakfast. And my dad, he would be like, come on, let's go. I'm, I have to eat my breakfast. And the thought of being able to walk up to the hotel and have whatever you want. But one of the things that I remember very specifically were what they call Belgian waffles. Okay? This is no waffle house thin Thin waffle. This is a Belgian waffle, a big, fat, juicy waffle. And so I remember I loved those Belgian waffles. And I got home from vacation, and all I did was say, Mom, I want a Belgian waffle. The only problem was we only had a waffle maker that made the really thin ones. You know what I'm talking about, the real thin ones? That, that was no longer good enough for me. And so my birthday was coming up, and I knew that I needed a Belgian waffle maker. Now, I was a 13-year-old boy. And uh, no person in their right mind would ever buy a 13-year-old boy a kitchen appliance. So I went to the one person in the whole world that I knew would say yes. Grandma. You guys got it. Y'all are smart. So I went to my grandma. I said, Grandma, I need a Belgian waffle maker so bad. She says, I'll get you one, sweetie. Don't worry about it. I'm sitting at my 13-year-old birthday party around all my friends, and I begin to unwrap my packages. And in the middle of unwrapping the Belgian waffle maker, I have this thought. I am about to open a kitchen appliance in front of all of my guy friends. And in that moment, I didn't know what to do, so I said, Grandma, why would you buy me this? To which my grandma said, because you asked for it, boy. And in that moment, she exposed me for all that I had. You know what I wonder sometimes in life? How many times do we ask God for something, and when he gives it to us, we say, why did you give me that? Lord, we pray, Lord, I need more peace in my life. He says, okay, great, I'd be happy to give you some peace. Here's what I need you to do. Go forgive some of the people in your past. You say, um, I didn't say World War III, I said peace, Lord. You know, Lord, help me with my marriage Man, Lord, I just, our marriage, it needs to be stronger. We need some help in our marriage. And the Lord says, start living more selflessly. And you say, you mean you're talking about him, right? Not me? And the Lord has this way of bringing the very things that we ask for, but oftentimes we struggle with wanting to do what he's already told us to do. So today, I'm going to read out of a, a James chapter 1. There's a great scripture, and here's what it says in verse 22. It says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Verse 25 says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the word of God, the liberty, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, 
but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You know what I've learned as I've read scripture and as I've spent time with the Lord, and that is this, that the Lord wants to bless you. No matter what way you cut it, no matter how you look at your life and you think about the things that are working for you or are not working for you, no matter how much you feel like God is on your side or against you in this very moment, the truth of the matter is this, the God of the universe wants to bless your life. But there is one piece that he says, I need you to just do what I've asked you to do. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless me. But we have to be willing to do what he says to do. So the other day, I was in my garage. Um, my garage door had been open a little bit, and I go out of my garage, and, and as I'm walking in, uh, all of a sudden, this whoosh. And I'm like, what was that? I turned on the lights in my garage, and there was a bird in my garage, hanging out in my garage. And I'm thinking, like, I got a bald head now, no pooping on my head now. You know, like, like I, I'm trying to get this bird out of my garage. But this bird utterly refused to leave. I mean, there's this big thing called a garage door, a big gaping hole in the wall. And no matter what I tried, this bird would not leave my garage. So I revert to a broom. And I am running around my garage, batting at this bird with a broom when my wife walks out. She says, what are you doing? I said, there's a bird in our garage. I got to get him out somehow. She goes, that's, that's not going to work. You need to stop. I said, okay, honey, whatever you say. And then my wife proceeds to go, come here, birdie, birdie, birdie. And my wife is now talking to this bird in our garage, trying to get him to leave. Nothing worked. Absolutely nothing worked. So eventually, I just leave. And I leave my house unattended with the garage door open for hours during the day. And when I came home, that bird was still in my garage. He refused to leave. Now, because I'm a pastor and have to use and exploit every story in my entire life, as I was driving, I got to thinking. I got to thinking, there is absolutely nothing that I can make him do that he's not willing to do. And no matter how hard I tried, he would not go through the big open hole in the side of the house. And I got to thinking in our lives, I, I realized that the Lord is very strategic in the way he acts in our life. And God is not in the business of forcing us to do things that we're not willing to do. You see, unless he was willing, he would not get to experience the freedom that he was created and designed to experience. And if that's true of a bird, how much more true is that in our own lives? The Bible says, be hearers, but also be doers of what God has called us to do. When a uh, we take a look at the problems and the things in our life, I know oftentimes it can get easy to be discouraged. Sometimes we take a look at our laundry list of things that we have to do or the things going on in our heart or the problems we have in our relationships or our friendships or at work, and we begin to wonder, how are we ever going to make it out of the messes that we find ourselves in? But oftentimes what I've realized is that sometimes the answer that we've been praying for the thing that we've been looking for is actually right in front of us. How many times have you gone to leave your house and you can't find your keys? Only to reach in your pockets and find them. Or in my case, to get in your car and they're already in the ignition. How many times have you been talking on the phone to someone and say, Yeah, I'm coming. I promise. I know I'm late. I'm coming. I'm coming. I just can't find my 
foam. And it's right here the whole time. You know what I believe as I was praying and studying the verses we're going to look at? I believe the Lord is saying the same thing. The answers that you've been looking for, the problems that you've been trying to solve are right in front of you. Sometimes we get into this trap of thinking that we have to come up with some new or revolutionary idea as to how to solve our problem. But let me present it to you like this. If you were in your house and a fire broke out, and let's say for just a minute that your clothes caught on fire, what would you do other than run around and scream? You would not stop and think, you know what? They've been putting fires out for hundreds and thousands of years the exact same way. You you know what? I want to be the first person to invent a new way to put out fire. There's no part of your brain that would do that. What would you do? The same thing they taught you in elementary school to do. Stop, drop, and roll. In that moment, you're not going to stop in the midst of the heat in the fire and say, i got to come up with a new way to do this because they've been doing it wrong all these years. How much so in our own lives? When we're in the middle of a storm or a setback or a failure or a problem and we go looking for answers, and the Lord, I believe, would say to you and me right here in this moment, I've already given it to you. In fact, you don't even have to go looking for something new because for thousands of years, God has been working with his people, resolving their problems through his spoken word. I don't have to go look for something new because everything I need is sitting right here, probably on a dusty shelf in our house. We could say that we have 10, 15 copies of a Bible in our home where the Word of God is living and active, where it's medicine, where it gives hope, where it gives wisdom and guidance and answers for your everyday life. I want to share with you a story this morning out of um, the book of Exodus. We're going to talk about the, the people of God. They're known as the Israelites. They were the Hebrew people, and they became the Israelites, and God delivered them out of the promised land, and And they are wandering around in the wilderness, and God has a word for them, because God has a word for everyone. And God has a word for them, and he begins to share with them, if you want to be blessed, if you want your life to look different where you're going than where you came from, there are some things you're going to have to do. Not just here, but do. And so we're going to read about the people of God in Exodus chapter 24, verse 3 and 7. Here's what it says. He's talking to the Israelites. Moses came and he told the people, All the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice, a lot like your children answer every day. All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing for the people to hear. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. Have you heard those words before? Yes, mom, I'll do exactly what you said. And you walk into their room and their room's not clean, we sometimes find ourselves in the very same situations that the Israelites found themselves in. Lord, I want your blessing. God, I want your best. Lord, I want the problems in my life to get resolved. And the Lord says, here's what I need you to do. Obey everything that I have commanded you. And at church on Sunday, in our prayer time on Monday, we say, yes, Lord. But then something happens. Exodus chapter 32, we continue this story. This is a few chapters later. 
Moses goes up onto the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, and the people who said yes to God all of a sudden find themselves weary and tired and waiting and growing impatient by the minute. Verse uh, 1 in chapter 32 says this, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up and make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the guy who did bring us up from Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Verse 7 and 8, And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Listen to these words right here. He says, they have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Here is a group of people who just witnessed the miraculous hand of God on their life, delivering them out of over 400 years of slavery. And God says, now that I got you through, there are some things I need you to do. And they say, yes, Lord. But in a 40-day span, things changed. Things shifted. They still wanted to be blessed, but something wasn't working quite right. And the reason it wasn't working quite right was because the very first command that God had given them was what we know as the first commandment. Love the Lord your God. Serve no other gods before me. In fact, he was so specific as even to say, don't even make gods idols out of gold or silver, which is exactly what they did, exactly where they found themselves. And so we read a story of a group of people who want God's best for their life, but aren't willing to do what it takes to get all that God has for them. Can I tell you this morning that God's blessing in your life is not random? It's not random. God doesn't pour out blessing on your life the way you picked your sixth grade dodgeball team. He doesn't say you and you and you, oh, you look a little bit bigger. Yeah, you. No, no, no. God's blessing is not random. You see, your capacity to receive more of God's blessing in your life is dependent upon one thing, your obedience. The Lord says, I have a way, I have a path to blessing, and I'm asking you, will you join me in it? So I have two things for you today. The first one is, just do it. Turn to somebody next to you and say, just do it. If you're on the chat, you better be doing that too. Just do it. So when I worked in Dallas, I lived in Dallas for a long time. I worked at a nonprofit in the inner city of Dallas. And every summer we would uh, do what we called a shoe ride. And we would give away hundreds of shoes uh, to kids in the community who needed it. So the kids would come in and Nike would sponsor and Mizuno would sponsor. We'd get all these shoes. And, and, you know, I'm just thinking about the brand, Just Do It. You see, their marketing genius is, is this idea that a seven-year-old can walk up into a free shoe store looking for a pair of Nikes. And so this seven-year-old boy came up, and I remember I was getting him his shoes. His shoes were holy. You could see his toes through them. They were dirty. They were worse than your lawn mowing shoes. And I remember this kid walked up to the table. We picked out a brand new pair of Nikes. I no more got down on the ground and put the shoe on him. I was trying to tie his shoe when he took off running. I mean, took off running. I, I'm tying his shoe, and he left. And I'm standing there with a pair of dirty shoes and a shoebox wondering, where did this kid just, just go? And he takes off running around doing laps 
in the gym. And when he came back to me, here's the words that he said to me. These shoes make me so much faster. And I'm thinking, a seven-year-old gets it. You see, there is this brand and this idea that if we just do it. But here's the reality as I got to thinking about it. The shoes did not make him any faster than he already was. You see, the shoes were just a switch in perspective, a change of mindset that says, if I just do what I was already created to do, run, then I will see some things that I've never been able to see in my own life. And that kid walked out of there that day on cloud nine. Why? Not because of the shoes, but because he inside knew that he could do all that he was created to do. You know, it's the same way in our lives. There's a, a, a parable that Jesus tells in Mark chapter 4. I want to share this parable with you. You've probably heard it. It's the parable of the sower and the seed. And the Bible says that there are four different kinds of ground or soil that the, the seed, which is actually the word of God, gets sown into. The first one was the seed got thrown along the path. Some birds came and snatched it up. The second one was a rocky ground. Eventually, it could not get any roots in the ground, and so it was scorched. There was a third kind of ground, and the third kind of ground was the thorns. It was sown, the seed was sown among the thorns. Eventually, it got choked out, Jesus goes on to say, by the cares of the world. But then he says there's a fourth kind of ground. There's a fourth kind of ground that receives the word. In Mark chapter 4, verse 20, it says this, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. You see, there were four different kinds of ground that Jesus is talking about that receives a word. But only one of them actually did it. The only difference between the different kinds of soil, sometimes we read this parable and we think, well, is he talking just about the condition of my heart? Yes, there is this condition of our heart that says, Lord, I want every word that you have for me today. But there is also a willingness of our body, of our heart, of our mind to do what the word has asked us to do. There are four kinds of ground and only one of them was willing to do what God had asked him to do. And the guy who did what God asked him to do bore fruit he produced. He was successful 30, 60, and 100 fold. Do you know the same is true for your life? That when we hear the word of God spoken on a Sunday, when we wake up on Monday morning and we're spending time in the presence of God and we, we read our word and we put it inside of our heart, our heart has this opportunity to receive it and do it, to live it out. So the first thing this morning is this, just do it. When we do what God has told us to do, we get good and better results 100% of the time. He doesn't miss it. He's not wrong. He's faithful. He watches over his word to perform it. After we just do the word, the second thing we have to do is this. We either use it or we lose it. We either use it or we lose it. In other words, God has a word for your life. He gives it to you, and he waits and he watches. He says, what are you going to do with what I've already given you? Um, when I, I went on a mission trip to the Philippines, and uh, they spoke very little English, and I spoke no Filipino, and so uh, it was a fun trip. We got to love on some orphans and do some different things in the community, building an orphanage and water wells and things like that, and 
And one day I was standing on the side of the, the construction site, and I was standing, a little kid at the orphanage came up to me. And he's like, use it. And I was like, yeah, use what? Like, and he's like, use it. And he starts yelling, use it. And I'm like, yeah, you can play with this. Like, I, I, what he was saying was, I need to use it. He had a sense of urgency deep within his body to go to the bathroom. And he needed to use it. You know, sometimes in our life, I wish we would have that same kind of sense of urgency. Where God has given us something. And we have just this devout, strong, passionate plea to use it with the most that we can possibly use it. To take full advantage. It's not like, um, how many of y'all in college? I know we got a lot of college students out here. Give it up for the college students. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I don't want to discourage you from, you know, paying attention in your foreign language classes, but uh, I went to a liberal arts college where I had to have two years of Greek so that I could read the Bible in Greek if I woke up and wanted to read the Bible in Greek, which has yet to happen. And so I spent thousands of dollars at a college paying for two years of a language in which I have never used. And guess what? I have lost it. We don't retain what we don't use. We lose everything that we don't use to the fullest extent. And the Bible goes on to say after the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, he says this, and Jesus said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure with which you use it, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away from him. I used to read that verse and be so confused. Lord, I don't understand. Why would you take away from someone who doesn't even have anything? And that's not even what he's saying. He's saying, I have given you a word, and I'm watching to see what you will do with it. If you use it, I will give you more. But if you don't use it, I can't give you any more. Do you realize there's something really powerful in the truth that Jesus was sharing? Your capacity to get more from God comes with your willingness to use what He has already given you. Your tank opens up to receive more when you say, God, you asked me to forgive, I will forgive. God, you asked me to be faithful, I will be faithful. God, you asked me to be kind on social media, even on election week of 2020, I will be kind with my words. And God is saying, will you use what I have given you? Have you ever gone to a restaurant uh, post-COVID, pre-COVID, I mean, right? You're sitting down at the restaurant and a waiter comes by. And I've never had a waiter come up and say to my full glass of water, can I fill your cup up? I I've, I've never sat in a restaurant and thought, if I drink the water that they've given me, what if the restaurant runs out? What if they don't have any more Dr. Pepper? What, what am I going to do? I've never sat there and wondered what would come next. In fact, here's what I do. I drink about five glasses of Dr. Pepper and regret it later. And every time I do, someone comes by and they fill up my glass. But let me just illustrate to you. I didn't ask Luke for permission to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway because he's not here. You see, a waiter doesn't come up to you and say, can I fill your glass up some more if it's already full? And we all know the logical reason of why. Because every glass that is full 
that you choose to fill up does nothing but make a mess. You know what the Lord says in our life? The very same thing. He says, I have so much to give you. I have answers for your job. I have solutions for your finances. I have peace for your heart that is in utter disrest. I have all kinds of things in store for you. I need you to do one thing. I need you to start taking in what I've already given you. You know, that sounds really easy, Clayton, but sometimes in life, it's a little harder than that. When I, uh, my, I have a one-year-old, and uh, this one-year-old, we have not yet done an overnight trip away, which I was ready 364 days ago, but for some reason, my wife wasn't, and uh, so we finally, we got the in-laws to come into town and stay with the baby, and we're going for a one-night away in downtown Houston. And so uh, I had been looking online for a hotel for us to go stay away, get out of the house, not have to sleep next to the baby monitor, get up in the middle of the night, get a full night's rest, all the above. And so, uh, you know, I, I want to be a good husband, and I wanted to bless my wife with one of the nicest hotels, okay? We're not just going to go chintzy like, this is our first night away. We're going to a nice hotel. And so I started looking, and I found this hotel called the JW Marriott in downtown Houston really nice. It's also very pricey. And we had set a budget for this little trip that we were going to do, and guess what? To my surprise, it did not fit in the budget. But everything inside of me wanted to go. And so I was, made the decision, I'm just going to surprise my wife. And so I get online, and I start to book the hotel, and I, I go to click, and it doesn't refresh, and it doesn't go through. So I stopped for a second. Because sometimes in life, some things happen that make us second guess or go back and reevaluate what we're about to do. And so I stopped for just a second and I asked the Lord, as little as it may sound to you, Lord, am I not supposed to do this? <laughs> He's like, what part of no did you not understand? And so in the very last seconds, I decide this is what I should not do. And I went and I booked the cheapest hotel in downtown Houston. And I'm driving with my wife, our first overnight away, we pull into downtown. And as we drive down the street, I realize that at the very end of the street is the JW Marriott. And as we're driving down the street, my wife goes, oh, you got me. No, I didn't, honey. <laughs> and right next door to the JW Marriott was our little bitty hotel. <laughs> And we pulled in, and we, we go in, and we go up to the room, and we put our bags in our room, and I go, and I open the blinds. And as I open the blinds, it's nothing but J.W. Marriott written across the window as we look at their sign. And in that moment, I get to thinking, you know, most times people in life would see that as what they don't have, a weekend staring at the window thinking about all the things that they don't have. But for some reason that weekend in my heart and what God was working on me with was this. 
I didn't have to think about not having the nicest hotel because I could think about all the things that I did have. I had the Holy Spirit who is my teacher and my counselor, a great marriage with a great family, a beautiful little daughter. And all that weekend, I just believed that God was trying to speak to me to remind me that even in the little things, if you will obey my word, I will teach you something new. I will show you something you've never seen before. I will give you a fresh perspective like a little kid in a brand new pair of Nikes. I will work in your life and do something you haven't yet seen before. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Everybody, thanks again for joining us. We believe God has something great for your life, and we hope this message encourages you to take the next step in your faith.